0: Welcome to Reed Scholars Live. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Fleming, and current president of Reed Scholars. Today I am joined by Dr. Christina Rosenthal. Dr. Christina Rosenthal is the owner and CEO of Paradigm Dental Center in Memphis, Tennessee, and founder of the 516 Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization that seeks to address the needs of the, <clears throat> I'm sorry, the needs of the community through the principle of servitude. Dr. Rosenthal received her bachelor's degree from the University of Memphis and her dental degree from the University of Tennessee College of Dentistry. Dr. Rosenthal is also a Reed Scholar finishing the Joseph L. Henry Oral Health Fellowship in Minority Health Policy in 2015. Well, welcome. How are you
1: today? I am awesome. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, no problem. I'm excited to talk to you. So how are you? Where are you? How's life been for you the past few months? Um, I think it's been challenging for all of us,
1: <laughs> but I have a very pers- um, optimistic perspective on on life, so that's how I'm maintaining.
0: Very good, very good. Um, well, I always like to take a minute to um, help our listeners understand your journey. So can you take us you know back you know you don't have to go back to birth, but uh, tell us about <laughs> what excited you about um, dentistry and then what kind of propels you along the path.
1: And I know you said I didn't have to go back to birth, but that's a very significant part of my story.
0: <laughs> okay, well, go ahead, go
1: ahead. <laughs> I, I, my parents, I had a very non-traditional upbringing. And so my mother was a single mother. I didn't have a relationship or even know who my father was. And so early on, I developed a sense of community. It took godparents, it took grandparents, older siblings, church members, um, neighbors to help in my rearing. And my mom had some things that she was dealing with that made it very challenging raising me and my siblings alone. And all of that helped to really develop who I am. Um, I've grown to always want to help and always be that community for other people, uh, which led me to the disparity work that I do.
0: And so, and, and now, so you, you have a, an active practice, you run a foundation, you have kids, right, and family at home. Mm-hmm. How do you balance all of those things and still do you know, the extra um, work mm-hmm. that, you've, that you've been doing?
1: I like to say that there's really no concept of time management. You can only manage yourself within the time. And right. so I'm, I'm very structured in my day. I'm very intentional every morning when I wake up. Uh, and that helps a lot. I'm hyper-organized. And that's the only way you can do it with three kids. My sons are, well, one is about to be 20, 13, and seven. So we're in every stage of life. (laughs) And I do have the practice and I do have the nonprofit, which which constitutes a participants and their parents and community partners. And then I've just recently written a children's book, which is another element to this whole equation. So managing myself within the time, being organized and structured have really helped, but I, this goes without saying, but my faith is really what drives me and keeps me because I know that if I did not have that strong faith, then it would become very
0: overwhelming. So you mentioned your children's book. So let's talk a little bit more about that. When was, yet, when was that idea born? And then take us through the process of what it actually takes to write a book and get it published. And then, then you got to market it, right? So it's not just, mm-hmm. I wrote this book, here you go. So take us right. from start to finish.
1: Okay, so uh, the concept started. I have a nonprofit, as I mentioned, and the goal of the nonprofit is to gain the interest of teenagers and also toddlers to go into healthcare professions. And when I started the toddler program, along with uh, Dr. Pam Banks, it it just dawned on me, like I'm reading other people's books to these children, and there's no better message than my own. And the children's book is called You Can Become a Doctor Too, but it's really a tale of my life in old form. Um, there's the main character is a young man named Art, who's representative of my three sons, whose all names start with the letters A-R-T. And he goes through um, a career day at his school, learns about different professions. And in the end, the special guest was Dr. Reed. Um, she talks to him and she just encourages him and his classmates that he could become a doctor and the questions that are asked and posed in the book are actually questions I had as a child. Mm. So as I had this toddler program and I'm reading these other books from these other authors, I'm thinking, why can't I do this myself? Mm-hmm. It took me 38 minutes to write this poem and because I'd never written a children's book before, I used an established publisher and illustrator and just paid them the flat fee. However, during that process, I said, if I ever want to write a book again, I'm going to do most of this work myself because it was expensive mm-hmm. and I'm currently working on a second book.
0: Oh, wow. Um, how, tell us about your sense of accomplishment after that. Um, because that, I mean, even though you only took you 38 minutes, but that's still, <laughs> I mean, one, you're putting your, you know, your story on paper to share with the world. Um, mm-hmm. but also it's having a finite product is, is mm-hmm. unique. So share a little bit about that.
1: Okay. And then let me tell you more about the process too, cause I was speaking very generally. So um, I found the illustrator online and he recommended that I use his services for everything that includes publishing, placing it on platforms, illustration, sketches, walk me through everything step-by-step. Step. So the initial part of the process were the sketches. So I had to give the illustrator an idea of what I wanted to see appear on each page. Well, another part of the book that I did not share is that all of the characters, the other characters that are doctors represent special people in my life, people right. who've had some influence in my journey. And so I forwarded pictures of those people so he can make the characters look somewhat in their image. Right, right. And then I had to write the the words and what I wanted to see on that page and give it to him as like a script. I got the sketches back once I approved, it was colored in, and then I saw the book come to life. So the next step from there was to put it on platforms. So Amazon, KDP, um, if I wanted to do what's called print on demand, which means I can get copies of my own book and sell them from my own website, then I use Ingram Spark. And um, they also went a step further to help me market. Well, I'm a good marketer. I, I, I just feel like no one can sell me better than me. And so I developed my own website and I also developed my own book trailer. Um, And I also do my own distribution of the book. So when you make place orders on the website, I'm the one sending those out to you. So <laughs> it's been a learning curve because I've never done it before, but that's my learning process. I have to have hands on, I have to touch it, I have to feel it, I have to see it so I can relinquish it and give it away, give the task away to others and give them an expectation because if I've never done it myself, then how can I expect you to do something I've never experienced? So that's my purpose in doing so much.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. And it, like you said, it's easier to direct somebody to help you when you know what kind of help you need. Um, right. And, and, and staying on that train of thought, but just a little bit longer. So when you talk about your book and about your journey and the questions that you were asking as you were on your, you know, trajectory to become a healthcare professional. Um, mm-hmm. And we talk a lot about for our young people, in order to dream something, you have to see it. And so I think most of the time we conceptualize that as in person, right? Like if you grew up and you knew a black doctor, a black dentist, or You know, a black scientist or a black lawyer, whatever. Then it was like, oh, maybe I can be that too. But you are putting that concept in print so that those who don't see those people in their everyday lives still have that that concept. Um, And so, I was just wondering for you because I know kids are important to you. So, can you Mm -hmm. speak a little bit of why that is particularly important um, for our young people?
1: Absolutely, Mary. That is an excellent point you've made. Um, when I was doing it, well, I am still doing a nonprofit. COVID has kind of put everything to a halt for the physical interaction. But as I was working with the toddlers, I'm thinking they're two to five years old now, and some kids don't have a recollection of three years old. Mm-hmm. So how could this message of inspiration, of hope when I'm tired, when I don't feel capable, when my peers tell me I can't do it, or a teacher tells me that I'm not fit. How can I carry the message of inspiration forward? And again, I'm only one person too. And so my program is a local program in Memphis, Tennessee, but I would like to expand it to other areas. But until then, how could I spread this message across the globe? And that was another reason for writing the book. It was important to me that they saw characters within the book that mirrored their likeness. Um, and then to hear that message of hope at any
0: time. Mm. Um Staying on kids with switching gears just a touch, um, so this you know we're in this pandemic, um, and you know we know access, like you said, has changed. Um, can you speak to how you've seen your practice change over the past few months and how that has impacted especially you know kids or, or other vulnerable populations and and um, the different disparities that it's, that have been you know highlighted or? illuminated or whatever word we want to use um, during this time. Mm
1: -hmm. So even prior to um, COVID there of course health disparities existed Mm -hmm. and with so many people being unemployed and you have to make a decision between you know feeding your family, covering the light bills, wondering what's going to even happen you know month to month with this COVID situation. Dentistry has become even more so elective for so many. Mm Um, there are so many who don't have insurance, so many people getting laid off their jobs, losing benefits. And then if I don't have discretionary income, you know, I just may have to take some antibiotics instead of getting this tooth removed. Right. So it, it, COVID has very much so heightened the disparities that, that already existed. Um, and there's much work to be done.
0: What, um, I, mean, I mean, going down that road, what are you... Hopeful or optimistic that you know now that we have a larger platform to talk about health inequities and health disparities and you know like we, like we just talked about this this is not new right mm-hmm. these are these are things we've been talking about um, for right. years uh, our our mentors and predecessors have been talking about for decades right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we we're now naming the name uh, of the things that we, we can actually say racism, right, in a broad context in mm-hmm. general right. population. When well, we, we couldn't really say that before. Um, so what are you hopeful for now that we are seems like we're starting to have this conversation? Um, how would you like the work to continue or the dialogue to change?
1: Well, I'm I'm a strong believer that there is always opportunity and chaos. Mm. And whenever a situation is chaotic, when it feels like everything is falling down, that is the perfect place to rebuild. So sometimes you do have to dismantle systems in the way things are in order to get an improved model. And so I think that's what all of this is doing right now. It's, it's not only doing it in dentistry, in medicine, it's heightening, it's, in, it's bringing to light a lot of things that need to change. And I'm confident and I'm optimistic as always that more good will come from this than the negative, including the field of dentistry. I think we'll look at our practices in a totally new light. Um, and as for me, because I can only speak for me, it's really made me think of other ways to be creative to serve mm-hmm. patients who don't get the service that they need.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think. Um, I like to think that this is an opportunity for innovation and creativity. Mm -hmm. I mean, and we've seen that. I mean, there are things that changed on a dime because they had to. So we know now that we have the capability. And so hopefully we can keep that going. Um, Mm -hmm. And and so I'm going to ask you, this is not a typical question I usually ask, but I think it's important. So as a a mom um, Mm -hmm. and an entrepreneur, And, um, you know, having three sons. um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, Just give us a little bit of insight into parenting um, during this time. Um, What advice, like what conversations do you have with your sons? What advice do you give them kind of going forward? I mean, from from any of those, you know, perspectives uh, or life experiences.
1: So one thing I have always firmly done is be, present with my children. So I could be doing whatever I'm doing in this world, but when I am with them, they have my full undivided attention. We make a point every night to have dinner at the table together. And that is the the breeding ground for conversation and questions. We even watch news. And just so it's unbiased perspectives, we watch both Fox and CNN because we wanna hear what one group is saying compared to another group and find our truth in between. And even my seven-year-old can talk to you about some political conversations because we had that open discussion. So that's number one, being open and talking to them because kids know more than we give them credit mm-hmm. for. And then the second thing is modeling the behavior you want to see in your ch- children. I always was conflicted with will my drive and my motivation make my children resent me? Or will they be bitter or will they feel like I wasn't present? Um, and so I try to model what I want to see in them. If, if that means if I'm doing a community service project, they're coming along with me. If I'm bagging bags for a project at home, they're working alongside me. So they see mommy is not just doing this as a self-fulfilling thing. She's doing this for other people, but I can become a part of it. So they know that anything that I do, that they can become a part of it. So having a conversations making them evolve and modeling what they do. Uh, when I went to Harvard, I had to leave my sons with my husband um, for that full year. And that was another period of uncertainty. Like, will they remember or will they be upset with me? But what I found is they were even more proud of me. Mm-hmm. So the third point I like to make is realize that you may have to make short-term sacrifices for their long-term benefit. And so, keeping that in the forefront of your mind will help you. you. You'll think you're being a bad parent, but really, you're being an excellent parent because you're providing them with greater opportunity.
0: Definitely, definitely. And I would like to echo for all those, even those in the back: short-term sacrifices for long-term opportunities. Right? That, yes. That is so very important, always and especially now. Uh, well, I mean, we have an excellent conversation. Uh, and as we close, I just invite you to leave us with any um, parting words, especially for those um, young women who may listen to this and 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 have aspirations um, similar to yours. Um, what what would you tell them? What parting words would you like to leave with them?
1: Hmm. <laughs> I would like to say, um, and this this may be a little too deep, but hey, let's go there. <laughs> there is purpose in your pain. Mm. So much time, we spend so much effort, so much money, so many resources in trying to find what was I created on this earth to do. Mm. And I tell you, coming from a single parent home, a mom who had mental illness issues, a father who wasn't there, that made me gravitate to, to youth because I know that struggle. So whatever you have gone through in your life that has caused you to cry, to cause you to question everything, That is your gift. And that is what you were meant to do. And that is who you were meant to serve.
0: I like it. That was a perfect way to end. Thank you so much for spending this time with us today. Thank Um, you. Definitely take care. I wish you safe journey uh, and wellness and everything that you do (laughs) in the next few few weeks. And um, again, thank you for being here. Thank you so much.